Alright, it's good to see you back tonight. If you've got a Bible, you might want to open it to Luke the 10th chapter and we will be there in just a moment. It looks like we have a lost and found item up here. If you're uh, missing um, what looks like a bracelet, um, it's up here. So, uh, just want to make you aware of that. So, some of you have it all done. A few of you, maybe, have it all done. You go to work and you get home and uh, your feet go up by the fire, you kind of sit back with a great cup of coffee, and uh, you're just enjoying the holiday season. For the two or three of you that fit that, you make us sick. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm actually, my hat's off to the people that plan ahead and get it done and really get to enjoy the season. But then go to the next slide because then the rest of us... We're dealing with the joy of the holidays, right? The uh, trying to get it all done. Uh, one of the things I found was the seven irrefutable laws of the Christmas holidays because it is, after all, the most wonderful time of the year. And this is, uh, these are some of the seven irrefutable laws. Number one, as the amount of time you spend finding a parking place increases, your Christmas cheer decreases at an exponentially faster rate. And that's true. Uh, number two, the other checkout line always moves faster. Right? And you, and you want to test that out, you just change lines and see what happens. Number three, the most frightening or the three most frightening words for parents with youngsters, some assembly required. Because we all know that it's going to take about three times as long as the directions say. The directions were written by a guy who speaks three languages, but the problem is English is not one of the three. And so that's how that works. Number four, the most overlooked words are batteries not included. Number five, when you return to the store to buy that gift that your husband, your wife, your child, whoever it was, saw the day after, it will not be there anymore, and they'll tell you they're not going to have any more in by Christmas. Case in point, anybody tried to find a Yeti thermos this Christmas season? Dick's Sporting Goods the other day, you're walking toward the door, they've just posted it outside. They don't even want you in the store if that's what you're there for. They've got it on the outside windows. We don't have them. We're not going to have them. Uh, number six, if you hear a loud crash in the living room, it is highly probable that your Christmas tree is now lying on its side. That's especially true if you happen to be a cat owner. Um, don't know why you'd want to be, but if you are. Number seven... If your toilet is going to break or if your sink is going to stop up, it will occur when everybody is at your house during the Christmas holidays. And so we joke about it, but the holidays are legitimately stressful. Uh, and there's been some testing to prove it. Uh, according to a report in the Oregonian, there was a British psychologist named David Lewis, and he found proof that shopping can be hazardous to men's health. And this is how he tested it. He tested volunteers aged 22 to 79. He took their blood pressure levels as he sent them in to shop, and this is what he found. In a bunch of cases, he found blood pressure levels that you'd expect to find in a fighter pilot going into combat. In the same test for women, only one in four women showed any significant elevation in blood pressure from shopping. And so, we refer to it as the most wonderful time of the year, and in many ways it is. But in addition to the joyful times and the warm hearts, 
It's not unusual for it to be a time of dealing with stress, dealing with pressure, even for some dealing with some depression. And in fact, I wouldn't be shocked if there aren't at least a few of us in the room tonight where we're actually having some dread about some aspects of the holidays rather than joy. And what are the th- some of the things that cause this? Well, one is time, getting everything done, getting everything bought, uh, money, paying for it all, emotions... Because the holidays, they bring us into contact sometimes with members of the family that um, maybe we don't get along with really well. And so tonight, we want to spend just a few minutes looking at a stressful time in the life of Martha. It's a time, it's not the holiday season, but it's a time where she's got Jesus in her home. And as we think about this brief narrative in Luke chapter 10, most of us can relate to Martha in some way. Because in her moment of stress, it brings about a time of selfishness. And and so Jesus ends up, for her and for us, with a teachable moment. And so, uh, give your attention to Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, a brief narrative. Now, as they were traveling along, he, talking about Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to His Word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to Him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. I like in this text, I'm reading of course from the New American Standard, but I like what the NIV uses has uh, in verses 41 and 42. There Jesus says, it's translated, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not not be taken away from her. And I believe that's good phrasing because it communicates the idea to us as we live that the choice isn't always going to be between good and evil. It's not always going to be between right and wrong. Sometimes the choices we make involve choosing between options that are good and options that are better or options that are good and options that are best. And so Martha, as we think about this, she's done some things right. She has opened her home to Jesus. She's welcomed Him into her home. And we know sometimes during seasons like this, when we're going to have folks in our home, sometimes that can be stressful, especially depending on who the guest or the guests might be. Because sometimes during the holidays, somebody that's coming to our house is someone, might be an in-law, where it feels like the agenda is going to be they want to critique you, they want to critique your house and your meal and your preparation and your, your ability to host. and So you feel like you're kind of on trial with them as they arrive. Now, somebody's blood pressure just went up thinking about that, right? Now with Jesus and Martha, it's not Jesus going to be critical of her. This is two people where there's a relationship, they're friends. We know from elsewhere in Scripture that Martha is a believer. Uh, You remember John chapter 11, after Lazarus has died and Jesus has been purposefully slow in getting there. Uh, In John 11, uh, beginning in verse 21, when Jesus finally gets there, Martha says, Lord, if you'd have been here, 
my brother wouldn't have died, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So, so she's a believer. There's a, there's a relationship there. And so it seems in our case that her simple desire is to be a really good hostess. And in that, it leads to her distraction. The text says that she's distracted. And we see her very busy trying to wait on the Lord. And you can kind of picture this in your mind. Uh, you, you see him trying to meet your, her, his every need. She's putting on the coffee and she's set, working on the meal and setting the table and trying to get everything just right, doing all the customary things that a hostess, a good hostess would do when company comes over. But meanwhile, there's Mary. And Mary's not helping with all this. Mary is sitting, at, the Bible says, at the feet of Jesus. In other words, Jesus. she's listening to Jesus teach. If we're human, we've likely experienced that frustration of we're in the moment and we're working hard and we're trying to get something done and then somebody else in the family sitting in there in front of the TV or sitting in there doing something else... Never happens during the holidays, does it? I think in Mary, perhaps we can see some of the traits of the stress prone. This brief glimpse of Martha, we're not told a lot, but, but maybe we can relate some of these to her. Maybe we can relate some of these traits to us if we're sometimes prone to great stress. Number one, traits of the stress prone. Plans the day unrealistically. Uh, that's where I put eight items on my to-do list. And in an honest moment, I know three of those items are day-long projects, so there's no way I can do eight things in one day. But I'll put those eight on there anyway. That's planning my day unrealistically. Number two, always in a hurry. And number three, making no plans for relaxation. Number four, feeling guilty about doing anything other than work. Number five, sees an unforeseen problem as pretty much a disaster. Number six is always thinking about other things while working. In other words, I'm working on this thing, but I'm always thinking about five other things. It's like, even tonight, I'm listening to this lesson, but I'm also working on all these other things I've got to get done for Christmas. It happens to us. And then number seven, feels the need to be recognized and overextends themselves because of this. We don't know if Martha's got all of these issues, but, but she's stressed out. And we can identify sometimes. She's serving, but she ends up distracted. And her distraction is demonstrated in the fact that she becomes critical of her sister. See, one of the things we've got to remember as we think about Martha, good things can actually become distractions to us. You think about Martha, she's trying to take care of Jesus. And, and what could be wrong with that? What could be better than that? The honor of actually serving a meal to Jesus. The honor of having Jesus in her home. And, and even at the point that she gets upset with her sister, it's all about trying to take care of the Lord. But here's the thing we've got to remember. Good things can be distractions when they take us away from better things or best things. Attempting to meet the needs of Jesus is preventing Jesus from meeting the needs of Martha, if you think about it. And taking care of Him becomes such an overriding priority for her that it causes her to be selfish. You see, Jesus is never selfish. And He doesn't want to see that in us. 
Distractions cause us to lose focus. Sometimes they cause us to make bad decisions. Uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3, the first couple of verses, it, it gives us an idea of one of the things that can throw us off track. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on things that are on the earth. And see, the result of Martha's distraction is selfishness. As she talks to Jesus, it's, hey, tell her to help me. This isn't fair to me. Selfishness is the antithesis of seeking things above. Now, here's an aside. This, isn't, this is just an add-on. If you want peace and tranquility in your home this holiday season, if you see somebody under stress in the other room working hard, what's the best thing you can do? Go in there and help them. That's a great way, great way to be selfless, right? But we've got Martha. And what we're seeing from Jesus in this interaction is that she should have made a better choice. Serving Jesus was fine. Being critical of her sister was not fine. And one of the things that's worth noting in this brief narrative, Jesus doesn't really... Um, he doesn't confront her about this until she becomes critical of her sister. He, he doesn't say anything about the fact that she's trying to serve Him. She doesn't, he doesn't try to stop her and say, hey, you need to get out of the kitchen and come here and listen to what I've got to say. He doesn't do that. But at the moment she becomes selfish and at the moment she becomes critical of her sister, that's when Jesus weighs in and says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. So it sounds like there may actually be more going on here with Martha than we're privy to in the text. Of course, Jesus always knows all. He always knows the heart. And maybe sometimes we can identify that. We're, we're under stress because of this, but, but this is actually just the, the tip of the iceberg for a lot of other things that have me stressed out. And so in the end, He points her to the one thing that can help her. Learning what Jesus expects. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Bowing in worship before Him. Mary chose that and Martha didn't. And Jesus said that Mary had chosen what is better. And in the end, being truly selfless in her service, that would have been better. But see, not all of our choices are going to look like these choices that Martha has. And so consider these practical ideas for helping us overcome what can be stressful times during the holiday season. Help us make better choices. Help us prevent the selfish from coming out in us. Sometimes better choices may well begin with, uh, number one, setting realistic expectations for ourselves. One translation of verse 40 of our text reads this way, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. What Martha had chosen was not bad in and of itself. All the things that she was doing were good, but not all the things she was doing were necessary. And perhaps all the preparations we sometimes plan during a holiday season are good, but maybe they're not all necessary. And, and maybe we stress ourselves out more than we ought to. Maybe to the point of being selfish. See, the thing about Martha's predicament is that no one had assigned her all of these tasks. 
she was the one who decided what needed to be done. And so if she had to do too much or thought she had too much to do, that was on her. It wasn't just simply about her sister Mary not helping her. Maybe her plans were too elaborate. And so the best thing we can do for ourselves as we celebrate the season is to determine what is it. If, if something stressed me out, what is that? And is there something I can cut out? Is there something I can remove that will calm me down and help me be more Christ-like in my interactions with folks? Number two, I need to remember why I'm doing what I'm doing. In other words, if I get overstressed, if I get distracted, if I get critical, my selfishness may cause me to miss out on some of the most precious times of the holidays. Some would make the case that Jesus is the reason for the season and, and that our preparations might distract us from focusing on Him. And although that's not a biblical mandate, lots of people are thinking about Jesus including us, but allow me to suggest one additional thing. If we get distracted and the selfish comes out, we may well miss an opportunity to shine a spotlight on Jesus, a spotlight that might reflect His ability to change lives. Let me leave you tonight with a a choosing what is better challenge and um, a lot of this a lot of the church a lot of you are regularly doing these things a lot of you've already done these things but these are the kind of things that can help us prevent being selfish beyond all the preparations that can be distracting make the decision to do something this holiday season that makes a difference for somebody else Mend a family quarrel. You know, sometimes we are going to be with family where there's been some trouble in the past and maybe we've not really dealt with that and maybe we've tried to sweep that under the rug. You know, maybe we, we spend some time where we mend that. Build a bridge with that family member that you really don't look forward to. Let's face it, sometimes we're going to be interacting with folks and, and their family, but they're really not trying to have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe our interactions with them will lead to an evangelistic opportunity if we handle them the right way. Maybe we need to tell somebody that, that may not know how much they've blessed our lives. Maybe we need to forgive somebody that's treated us wrong. Maybe we need to turn away wrath with a soft answer. Visit someone who's lonely. Surprise everyone and apologize when we're wrong. And that was last Sunday morning. Be especially kind to someone with whom you work. That person, you know the one, they, they really don't deserve it, but you're just going to choose this holiday season to be kind to that person. Because that's what Jesus would do. Stress can be a proverbial killer this time of year, but just like Martha, too often we do it to ourselves. So let me encourage us all to slow down and remember what is better. Or maybe even what is best. As we close, let me ask you this. So far this Christmas season, what have you heard and what have you seen? Uh, over the next few days, as you make those final preparations, what will you see and what will you hear as you look around? When you turn on the news and you see all those scenes of last-minute shopping, will you see just chaos and strife or will you see sheep without a shepherd? 
And when you go out and maybe you're doing some of that last minute shopping, will you only see hordes of people in the stores or will you notice maybe that word expression on some faces where they're worried because they're facing the holidays without employment or they're worried because they're, they don't think they've got enough money to provide Christmas for their family or make ends meet or whatever it may be. Will you hear only the blast of the Christmas music or will you maybe hear the silent sighs of the lonely or the silent sighs of the bereaved, those who may be dreading Christmas because it accentuates the fact that they are alone. And in the midst of those sounds of the honking horns and all of the noise, will you also hear those faint sounds of laughter coming from home and coming from those mission points where you furnished food. Or maybe you furnished some toys. You've provided for some families. You've provided for some children. We need to always remember to hear the sounds of joy coming from those that we've had a hand in blessing. You see, so often that what we see and what we hear, it's not really dependent upon the event A lot of times it's dependent upon where we choose to put our focus. And so we can react with stress, or we can react like Mary. Living a life that while busy, our lives are all busy, it reflects both an inner devotion and an outward service of a life being calmly lived at the feet of Jesus. I would like to know what happened in the house that day following that interaction, we're not told what will happen in your house this holiday season. Mary, excuse me, Martha, should have made a choice like Mary. Martha should have chosen what is better. My question for you tonight is whether or not you've made the very best choice you can possibly make. Do you belong to Jesus tonight? Most of us do. Maybe you don't. If you need to begin a walk with Him tonight, be baptized into Christ tonight, you have that opportunity. Uh, Maybe tonight you're here as a part of this family, and for whatever reason, you're facing a stressful time right now. Maybe prayers of your church family would help you right now. Maybe you have another need that the church family can help meet. Don't try to walk through a valley alone. That's why God gives us each other. If you have a need tonight, let that be known while we stand and while we sing.